break 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 You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch-Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we are back on The Punch-Out, 28th of April, 2022. Very happy to be back with you here on the show. And we've got plenty for you here on the show. We're going to be talking about how the Biden administration is continuing a trend from the Trump administration of giving corporate criminals a pass. We're going to be talking about ongoing hardship for tens of millions of people here in the United States economically. But before we get to either of those two very important stories, we want to talk about Russia, Europe, natural gas, and the ruble. Poland and Bulgaria were cut off from Russian gas supplies yesterday after refusing to meet the terms laid out by Russia's government that gas shipments now be paid for in rubles, significantly escalating the economic disputes between the EU and Russia linked to the war in Ukraine. It's no secret at this point that Europe relies heavily on Russian gas. 45% of all EU gas imports and 40% of all gas consumption in Europe is ultimately flowing from Russia. Russian gas plays varying roles in various countries, but a significant amount of the economy and industrial powerhouse Germany is being run on Russian gas, and all around the continent, a significant reduction in gas supplies would wreak significant economic havoc. As such, Russian gas has become a major political football in the efforts led by the United States and the Ukrainian government to pursue an all-out economic war on Russia in response to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So far, EU officials have not been able to reach any sort of consensus on sanctioning Russian gas imports for obvious reasons, and the U.S. has been reluctant to levy aggressive sanctions on Russian gas companies in order to avoid exacerbating tensions among its European allies. Countries like Germany and Austria are resisting any sort of sanctions on Russian gas, while Poland in particular is aggressively pushing for sanctions on Russia's gas industry to try to cripple the Eurasian nation's economy. Russia raised the stakes about a month ago when it demanded that gas be paid for in rubles rather than in euros, as had previously been the case. The ruble payment issue is clearly designed as a defensive measure by Russia. It helps protect the value of its currency overall, and crucially, it lessens the dependence of Russian companies on Western banks and financial services companies to be able to spend the money that they're making from the gas shipments. Basically, if you want to spend euros, you need access to euros. To get access to euros, you need access to EU banks more or less, which makes anyone with a lot of euros more vulnerable to Western sanctions. The reverse is also true. If you need rubles, you need a relationship with the Russian central bank, tying EU countries more closely to Russia in order to get their vital gas supplies and allowing Russian companies to more easily invest in countries like India, where the Russian government is setting up various deals to make it easier to trade in rubles. The issue of ruble payments and sanctions is becoming fraught. Yesterday, the president of the EU Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, claimed that it would be a breach of sanctions, EU sanctions against Russia, to pay in rubles and warned countries to continue to pay for gas in euros unless they wanted to run afoul of the regulatory regime. Although over the weekend, the European Commission issued guidance to member states saying that it, quote, appears possible 
to pay for gas in rubles without breaching sanctions. Uniper SE, the largest German importer of Russian gas, says they think it's possible to pay in rubles without breaching sanctions. And it seems clear that some companies are already going ahead and paying in rubles. Bloomberg reported this week that four companies were already paying in rubles. And according to their sources, 10 companies in various countries have accounts with Gazprom Bank in order to be able to pay in rubles. Poland and Bulgaria then are looking like they may end up being outliers on the continent. Hungary, which has openly announced it is engaging in ruble payments, has even said before that it wants to increase its flow of Russian gas into the country. With no real short-term options to replace Russian gas, the EU may be forced to meet Russian demands to pay in rubles, which would be a major blow to the Western sanction regime since it would more or less be European money subsidizing Russia's trade with countries that aren't on board with Western sanctions, which is the vast majority of the world. So in other words, it would make the sanctions far less efficacious. Estimates of how much money Russia is getting from European gas payments range widely. Some say it could be as much as 720 million euros a day. There's one analysis that places the overall income from Russian oil, gas, and coal to Europe since the start of the invasion on February 24th at just over 45 billion euros. How this all plays out will have a significant impact on the course of the war in Ukraine as the divide in Europe could start to undermine the anti-Russia united front in the West. It also places front and center the issue of whether or not the sanctions levied by Western nations are really doing anything other than creating serious economic pain for people all around the world. The gas wars undoubtedly will continue and continue to shape the broader contours of the conflict in the coming weeks. As the month of April comes to a close, we want to share with you, as we often do, some of the data from the U.S. Census Bureau Household Pulse Survey that captures the reality of how much hardship many people are facing around the country, despite all the boosterism around a quote-unquote bouncing back economic situation. The most recent survey results, which cover from March 30th to April 11th, detailed that in the seven days before they answered the survey, 33.4 million people found it, quote, very difficult to pay their usual household expenses. 43.5 million found it somewhat difficult, and 57.8 million found it, quote, a little difficult. In other words, about 134 million people had to hustle, scrimp, scrape, and deprive themselves and their families in order to pay for the things they need to survive. 54.9 million of those people were in households with children. 52.7 million people told the Census Bureau that they had to use credit cards or loans in order to make it all work. 23.6 million people told the Census Bureau that in the seven days before they answered the survey, they either, quote, often or, quote, sometimes did not have enough to eat. 53.2 million said they had enough to eat, but not always the types of foods they wanted. So in other words, 76.8 million people had to adjust their diet somehow, including not eating, due to lack of funds. 5.4 million people said that they were, quote, not at all confident they would be able to make the rent in May. 9.1 million were, quote, slightly confident. And 11.7 million were, quote, moderately confident. So that's 26.2 million people who aren't sure they can pay their rent in just a couple days from now. All told, and as we report often, the status quo for tens of millions of Americans is that they are struggling to make it. And in the context of a so-called improving economy, it's an important commentary on the U.S. economy that even when all the pundits are saying things are improving, poverty still stalks well over 100 million people. (laughs) 
Corporate prosecutions by the Department of Justice in the United States have been steadily trending downward since 2018, while corporate leniency agreements have been increasing. So in other words, the U.S. government has been going softer and softer on corporate criminals while claiming to be all about law and order. Ultimately, then, tough on crime policies, quote unquote, seem to be reserved for the poor and the black. According to a new study by Public Citizen, in 2021, corporate prosecutions plunged to their lowest level ever, despite rhetoric from the Biden administration of wanting to increase prosecutions for corporate wrongdoing. In 2021, there were 90 corporate prosecutions, less than half of the average for the past 25 years. The overall peak was in the year 2000, when there were 296. Leniency agreements are used by prosecutors to resolve cases in a way that avoids filing criminal charges against defendants. Over the past two decades, those sorts of agreements have become routine for the government as their primary method of resolving criminal cases against very large corporations. As for the trends in leniency agreements, Public Citizen notes that while technically the number of leniency agreements fell from 2020 to 2021, from 45 to 32, because of the fact that corporate prosecutions are going down and increased reliance on leniency agreements are going up, you can still see the overall percentage of leniency agreements is very high. In 2021, 26% of the cases brought against corporations by the DOJ were leniency agreements. And that is in comparison to what we had two decades ago when prosecutors tended to enter into leniency agreements with corporate criminals only about 1% of the time. So even though there was a drop from 2020 to 2021, there's been a massive increase in the number of corporate leniency agreements from just a couple decades ago. And the Public Citizen Report notes that this slap-on-the-wrist mentality towards corporate criminals as a high cost, detailing that, quote, a Harvard Business School analysis recently concluded that major firms are engaging in misconduct at least twice a week. The annual cost of corporate and white-collar crime to Americans is estimated at between $300 to $800 billion a year, end quote. And the Public Citizen Report states that so-called street crime, quote-unquote street crime, tallies up to a cost of $16 billion. At the end of the day, it's an important statement about the U.S. Hundreds of billions of dollars are spent on a system of militarized policing and mass incarceration that is statistically proven not to have much positive effect on public safety, while barely a fraction of that is spent on investigating the crimes of the biggest corporations who, even when caught red-handed, essentially get off scot-free. That's the punch-out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT 